everyone, and welcome back to another education series of the BTS podcast. I'm your host, Ciara Minova, and in this week's episode, we are diving into our second theory of developmental psychology, in particular, the work of Lev Vygotsky. Let's get started. In the last education series, we introduced what cognitive development is and the two predominant theories of human development known as continuous and discontinuous development. We focused on the work of the Swiss biologist Jean Piaget and his theory of child development. Piaget's theory is based on discontinuous stages of development, meaning that development happens in discrete stages that can't be skipped, and all children have to go through these stages, although some mature and learn faster than others. You can check out our last education series to learn more on Piaget's theory. In this week's episode, we'll be focusing on another theory of development known as the sociocultural theory of cognitive development, which was proposed by Lev Vygotsky. So who was Vygotsky? Lev Vygotsky was a Russian psychologist and teacher who developed a theory about how our social interactions influence our cognitive development. Unlike Piaget, Vygotsky saw development as continuous stages. The concept of continuous development emphasizes that individuals develop and change gradually over time. For example, as children grow up, they start crawling, then sitting, then standing, and finally walking, just like the growth of a tree, gradual and slowly evolving. Vygotsky believed that cognitive development occurs within social interaction, and it cannot be separated from it. He thought context was important in learning, for example, the context of which a child is born into. By this, he meant it being influenced by culture and language and how it shapes how the child learns. His theory of social and cultural development states that children learn through influences of peers, adults, and cultural beliefs. A child's culture represents the knowledge, tools, and attitudes accumulated over time in his or her proximal ecology, including the cultural practices taken up by other members of his or her family. Cultures attach meaning to objects and experiences which children then learn from. As a part of his theory, Vygotsky was very well known for his theory of zone of proximal development, which can be understood as the distance or gap between what we can do on our own and what we can achieve with the help of an adult, friend, or more knowledgeable other. Vygotsky defined the more knowledgeable other as someone who has a higher understanding or ability than the learner, usually in relation to a specific task, concept, or process. By this, he meant that children learn best when they have someone who's more knowledgeable than them to guide them, such as a parent or a teacher, which is usually who the more knowledgeable other is. So essentially, the zone of proximal development includes all of the knowledge and skills that a child cannot yet understand or perform on their own, but is capable of learning with guidance. As children are allowed to stretch their skills and knowledge, often by observing someone who is slightly more advanced than they are, they are able to progressively extend this zone. Let's take an example which I'd read on cultural development and found to be particularly useful. Think of identical twins in a community or society where boys are expected to learn and succeed, who are taught to become engineers and businessmen, and girls to become housewives and just be pretty. At the age of 10 months, both have the ability to crawl and are in the zone of proximal development for learning how to stand on their feet. The more knowledgeable other, however, for example, let's say in this case the dad, provides the boy with opportunities to practice in a playroom which he has equipped, for example, but with tools or sofas which the boy can use to stand. The boy is then encouraged to explore the equipment and eventually he pulls himself up. A few hours later, he is cruising and then a few days later, he's able to stand on his own two feet. The girl, of course, also has an equal amount of potential to stand 
But she, on the other hand, does not get any support in learning the skill from the more knowledgeable other. So when we compare the two, while the girl is still trying to get up, the boy has already moved into a new zone, and now he has the potential to walk. Of course, again, both have the potential to walk, but according to Vygotsky, the boy will be more skilled because of this. The boy would be quicker simply because he received that from the more knowledgeable other earlier. It could be interesting to think about this in a sense of why men are viewed to be better at some things than women and vice versa. It could be that boys get the attention for this or for a specific task at a younger age where women do not. For example, allowing your 13-year-old son to drive a car in the back street, but not allowing the girl to do so. And so believing men are better drivers than women, where it could be that they were more equipped to learn from a younger age. Of course, I'm not saying this particular example is a fact, just a personal speculation. Vygotsky also used the term scaffolding. Scaffolding arises from the zone of proximal development. An adult or more competent peer can provide assistance or guidance to a child so that the child can work within the boundaries of the zone of proximal development, much like the boy had helped with the parent to walk. Scaffolding happens and is applied in school systems all the time, for example, by using techniques such as productive discussions, building on prior knowledge, repetition and participation, and also feedback. These are all techniques to help the learner grow. As mentioned previously, Vygotsky also stressed the importance of language. His theory emphasized that learning was mainly acquired by language. Vygotsky's work examined the interrelationship between language development and the thinking process. He believed younger children primarily used speech to think out loud, but then gradually evolved a silent inner speech as they acquired mental concepts and cognitive awareness. So younger children who don't finish this process can only think out loud, but once the process is complete, spoken language and inner speech become independent. There are, of course, limitations to Vygotsky's theories. One of those is, for example, how sociocultural theory disregards the role of the individual and puts too much emphasis on the influence of culture. As Vygotsky pointed out, knowing is dependent on the situation the knower finds themselves in, but this theory fails to recognize the ability of the individual to rise above social norms based on their ability to develop personal understandings and break those cultural barriers or beliefs. It also puts all the learners into a specific box, but we know every child learns and develops in their own ways, for example, when looking into neurodevelopmental spectrums. The zone of proximal development also itself stems as being vague and does not actually focus on the different developmental stages or how children develop cognition. Until date, it's difficult to measure. And there's no metric development to confirm this theory. As we saw from last week, there are some key differences to Piaget's and Vygotsky's theories. A key characteristic of Vygotsky's thinking was his emphasis on how social factors and culture affected development, while Piaget emphasized that development is influenced by how children interact and explore the world through play and experimentation. When it came to the importance of language, they again both had different views. Vygotsky thought the language both began early on in development, but that they are initially separate functions that merge when the child begins to use inner speech, whereas in contrast, Piaget says that thought comes first and language develops as a result of this. And finally, as we saw, Vygotsky saw development as continuous, something that grows gradually, rather than referring to specific discontinuous stages, which was more prominent with Jean Piaget. Both theories, however, had their importance for cognitive development. And as always, I'd like to end it with a quote, through others, we become ourselves. 
and what a child can do in cooperation today, he can do alone tomorrow. Well, there you have it. We reached the end of another education series of the BTS podcast. Once again, this episode was a brief introduction to the field of developmental psychology and did not discuss some of the more complex attributes of this topic. If you did like this episode, though, please do subscribe, share, and also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on your listening platform to help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Oh, 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 o